0: Gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas OddsMaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark, winning picks, Lawrence! And now...
1: Alrighty guys, let's get it on. This is the final show of the Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast for the 2019 football season. A bit of a tear in our eye as I say just that, knowing that the football season is just around the corner and about to end with the college football playoffs now getting into the meaty portion of the playoffs and the National Football League playoffs themselves beginning next week. I want to welcome in our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. And first of all, Victor, Uh, Happy New Year to yours, and I hope your Christmas was a very merry one as well.
2: It was. I hope yours was too, uh, Mark, as well. Uh, Some fantastic food on uh, Christmas Eve with uh, Sandy and her large Spanish family. We followed that up with a really nice uh, over-winner on Boston-Toronto over in the NBA, the first game on the Christmas Day schedule. We've got the NBA uh, winning percentage up to 64% now for the season, so we're excited by that. And we're excited to run through what may be about twenty-five different bowl games. I think we got a few little tidbits for each game, and of course, we got that last week of the NFL regular season as well, where there's a lot of question marks. Some games mean something, and not a lot of games actually do. Always a very difficult week to handicap in the NFL.
1: It is a little bit tricky. The NFL. I recall last week, last year, I should say that. Uh, we were in the running in the Superbook contest and uh, had a great run to close out the contest. And uh, we got into the last week of the season. We were a little bit uh, a little bit precarious about that because of the situations being what they are. The odds makers over adjusting the lines for teams that have to win, not knowing the mental condition or state of teams that are out of the playoffs. And uh, but bottom line is uh, through the trusty database, the old well-oiled machine, we were able to forge out a five and zero weekend. The final weekend, we ended up going 14 and one the last three weeks of the Super Contest and finished uh, in 8th place, or I should say f- uh, 14th place overall. So it ended up being a good week. Nonetheless, uh, the final week of the NFL football season, we can hope only th- the same similar type of results this particular weekend. And this particular weekend, Victor, we leads us into what will be The college football bowl games, the meaty portion of the bowl season, and where you and I usually talk about what we learned last week. We're going to change it up just a little bit this week on this, the final show of the football season. And we're going to talk about uh, some points, little tidbit points that Victor and I each have on the remaining college bowl games. You might want to get your pencils out here because Victor's going to touch on overs and unders. And I'm going to touch on some one or two sentence comments on each and every bowl game that ends out. We will be excluding, if you will, the college football playoff games because those will be the two featured games in our college football games Of the week, this week we're going to tear down both the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, those matchups of the college football playoff. But uh, nonetheless, with that, Victor, let's kick it off, if we will, with our what we would call our mini college bowl bonanza, if you will. And uh, we'll start it off with, if you will, on Thursday or make that Friday, uh, December twenty seventh in the Military Bowl, Temple will take on North Carolina and. You know, my comment on this, and uh, a lot of this stuff comes out of the Playbook College Bowl stat report, which is still available online at playbook.com with just ukus of great information here. And my comment on this military bowl matchup is tip of the hat to Mac Brown on a great job of getting this North Carolina program back into a bowl game. The problem with them is ACC bowl teams are 0-4 to the spread when favored against the AAC. And you've got Temple coming in here under Rod Carey. He's been outstanding as an underdog, a single-digit underdog, going 4-1 and one straight up and 5-0 to and the spread. My one-line take on the military bowl. But Victor, what have you got from an over-under standpoint?
2: Well, we've got 4-0. and oh, Each of the last four military bowls have gone over the total, 63.5 points per game. Been a very high-scoring game there in Annapolis in each of the last four bowls, Mark.
1: Uh, very interesting about that. Uh, see how that shakes out in the military bowl. Onto the pinstripe bowl, Michigan State takes on Wake Forest, a matchup of uh, a disappointing team out of the Big Ten, uh, perhaps a surprise team out of the ACC. And bad news, if you will, for Michigan State. I don't think Mark D'Antonio is going to be back with the program next year. That's just me on a personal note. I think there's just too many downward trends going on with that program these days. They finished 1 and 7 to the spread, did Michigan State, their last eight games of the season season and you got wake forest a football team here who is not only eight and two straight up end of the number in their last 10 bowl games but their head coach dave clausen is a perfect three and zero straight up in bowl games that's my take on the pinstripe victor how do you see the over under action in this game shaking out
2: it's a fairly low uh relatively low over under line in the game at 50 it's one of only six bowl games with an over under line that low 50 or less points Don't have much in the way for Michigan State, but we do note that Wake Forest has gone 3-1-1 to the over in their last five bowl games. We'll move on to the Texas Bowl, Mark, and this will be a fun game, Oklahoma State-Texas A&M, on Friday, uh, I believe, 6.45 Eastern time. From a totals perspective, this is my something's got to give bowl game because Oklahoma State 0-5 to the under in their last five bowl games, but A&M has been a solid over going 5-1 and one to the over in their last six bowl games. Mark, what do you got in terms of the Texas Bowl?
1: Well, what I'm looking at here, Victor, is I think uh, one team coming in red-faced embarrassed Texas A&M, uh, Jimbo Fisher, coming off Uh, the worst loss of his career in that season-ending 50-7 loss to LSU. And I will say this, he's 5-0 straight up in games off a loss of 17 or more points. On the flip side, you've got Oklahoma State coming in here, played rather poorly this year in head-to-head games against other bowl teams we are out-yarded in four of those five matchups. With that, let's move on now, Victor, to the Holiday Bowl in sunny San Diego, where Southern Cal takes on Iowa, a matchup of two Big Ten and Pac-12 football program teams. And I should say this, that the Pac-12, is uh, they were uh, on a run of 0-15 in the spread in bowl games against teams coming off a win. Washington put up a win thus far this year on that record, so that's now 1-15. And as far as the Iowa Hawkeyes go, they're the number four team in the nation in fewest penalty yards. That's a tribute to their head coach, if you will. Kirk Ferentz who does a terrific job with the football program. How do you see the total in this game, Victor?
2: Well, you basically got a uh, you know a very good offense against a very good defense in this particular game. The surprising thing is that USC has gone two and five to the under in their last seven ball games, while Iowa's actually been a good over team. And I think there's some sneaky over value in this game with the Hawkeyes going four and one to the over in their last five games. We'll move on to the Cheez-It Bowl, Washington State against Air Force, Phoenix, Arizona. My take on this one, Mark, short and sweet. Each of the last three Cheez-It Bowls have gone under the total, and by very impressive margins, the average game has gone under by 17.8 points per game there. What do you got there in terms of Washington State taking on Air Force, Mark?
1: Well, with Washington State, the same thing applies here as it did. I talked earlier about Southern Cal and Iowa with Pac-12 teams taking on teams off the win. They've really struggled about 1-15 to the spread. They're also the number 118th ranked team in pass efficiency defense. Now, that shouldn't matter so much against Air Force, who really isn't known for throwing the football, per se, but. Take a look at this football team coming down the stretch. Their last three games of the season, they threw the ball for over 125 yards in each game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Air Force goes out and tries to attack them there that way. Air Force, the number one team in the nation in fewest penalties, no surprise, that being from a military team. On to the camping World Bowl game taking place Saturday in Orlando, Florida, when Notre Dame takes an Iowa State. This is one of the better non-major bowl matchups, if you will. Iowa State slumped at the end of the football season. They lost three of their final five football games, only covered the spread one time. But beware, Matt Campbell has been terrific in his career as an underdog. He's thirty-one and thirteen to the spread. On the flip side, you've got a Notre Dame football team that last year played in the college football playoffs as an undefeated team and were bounced out immediately. Now, this, to me, is a game of they might not be feeling all that much pumped up for the Camping World Bowl as they were the college football playoffs in this particular contest here. And they're also ranked 129th in the country in red zone defense are the fighting Irish. How do you see the total in this game working out, Victor?
2: Well, I know we got two good quarterbacks in this game, that's for sure, with Ian Book and of course Brock Purdy in this particular game. With that said, historically, this is one of the better under bowls. Twelve out of the last 14 camping world bowls have gone under. Each of the last three years, this bowl game has gone under by an average of twelve points per game, and Iowa State one and eight to the under in their last nine bowl games. So with that said, I think there's a little bit of sneaky value on the under in this particular game. And also in the next one, the other game on Saturday, market is going to be the good old Cotton Bowl Classic down there in Big D. Memphis against Penn State, AAC versus Big Ten. Penn State already up to what looks to be a double-digit favorite in this particular game. The line is swinging under a little bit at open 61. It's down to 60. I'm not surprised each of the last four Cotton Bowls have gone under the total average margin, 19 points per game. What do you got, Mark?
1: That's well, a big line move in a bowl game, Victor, if you will. Memphis is the uh, group of five team represented in the New Year's Day six bowl games for the 12-1 and season they had. They'll be going here without their head coach, Mike Norvell who left and took the job at Florida State uh, in this football game. Interim, interim bowl coaches have not done well as dogs when coming off a win just 3-13 and 13 to the spread. Penn State comes into this football game perhaps a little bit disappointed on where they landed here. They closed out just 2-2 two and two in the football season here. But they've been 7-1 as favorites against opponents off back-to-back wins. Just two trends that work in the football game. But I am not going to chase that line move. Take it over, if you will, to Monday, December 30th in the first responder bowl. A matchup of the Para-Westerns, if you will, Western Michigan taking on Western Kentucky. Taking a look at the Western Michigan side, MAC bowl teams coming to bowl games have struggled this year. Western Michigan themselves just one and five straight up and one four and one to the spread of the last six bowl games. But on the flip side, you've got Western Kentucky who's lost the money three straight bowl games when they take on sub 666 opponents. They're a very disciplined team though. Western Kentucky is their number four in the country in fewest penalties. What's the scoreboard going to look like in this game, Victor?
2: Well, this is one of the more uh, higher percentage consensus overplays of all the Bulls, market. Open opened 52-and-a-half. It's up to 54-and-a-half. There's anywhere from 85 to 90% of overall public money on this game over the total. I'm not surprised. Western Michigan, with that poor defense, the Broncos have gone 4-and-1 to the over in their last five games. Western Kentucky, surprisingly, 3-and-1 to the over in their last four games. So we're not going to step in front of that. It looks like the Sharps and the squares are pretty much in agreement that the uh, first responder bowl will be a little higher scoring than other people think. Uh, Next up, Mark, we'll move to the Music City Bowl, Nashville, Tennessee, Louisville Cardinals versus Mississippi State, another ACC versus SEC battle. And I can't help but notice that Louisville has gone under the total in each of their last five bowl games. The over-under line is creeping up 63-and-a-half. The last time I looked, I have not made a decision. But again, Louisville, five straight ball unders in a row.
1: Louisville football team head coach Scott Satterfield come over from Appalachian State and he did a great job turning the card, the Cardinal program around in this game. As you mentioned, being played in Nashville, one of my favorite cities in the country. I'm a big country and western music fan, and that's the heaven, the haven, if you will, for country music in Nashville, Tennessee. Mississippi State comes in here a little bit disappointed, this football program here, by the way the program uh, ended out this season. As opposed to last year, they started out three and one on the season, but end up the football season just three and five. The last six football games, and we'll note this: that they are one and six as a favorite Mississippi State against ACC opponents. Over to the Red F- Box Bowl, if you will, Monday, taking place in Santa Clara, California, when California takes on Illinois, upstart Illinois from the Big Ten, California from the Pac-12. Illinois makes it to a bowl game for the first time in eons. Tip of the hat to Lovie Smith on doing just that, and we'll reiterate the fact that Big Ten bowlers are a perfect ten and O to the spread in games against Pac-12 teams in bowl games. California, a little bit disappointing after they're opening up the season four and O to start the year, they went three and five to close it out. They're just 0-3 to the spread in bowl games against opponents that come off a straight-up favorite loss. How do you see these two teams, Illinois and California, sharing out, Victor, from an over-under total play?
2: Well, neither team, of course, is an offensive juggernaut. Cal with that great defense. It's no surprise, therefore, that this is the bowl game with the second lowest over-under line. It opened at 42. It's now up to 43.5. The only other bowl game with a lower line is the Baylor-Georgia Sugar Bowl particular game. But we do note that Illinois, as rare as it is for Illinois to be in the bowls, each of their last three bowl games have gone under the total. And for Cal, each of their last four games have gone under the total in the bowls when the over-under line is a low 51 or less points. So I think I would lean in that under direction in this particular game as well. And then, Mark, we'll move on from here to the Orange Bowl down here, of course, in beautiful South Florida. Virginia against the Florida Gators. And Virginia, of course, a team that closed the season going over the total in each of their last five games, not to mention the Orange Bowl over has hit at 75 percent, 12 and four last 16 Orange Bowl games. You can say which way we're leaning or you can see which way we're leaning in this one. What do you got in terms of Virginia and Florida, Mark?
1: Well, I think this is a good matchup here, Victor. I know people are dissing Virginia. They got waxed by Clemson in their final game of the season, the ACC championship game, losing 62-17. to 17. But note this, that Bronco Mendenhall is outstanding in games off a non-conference loss of 17 or more points. He's 8 one and one against the spread. The Florida Gators, who figured to have most of the fans in attendance here in Miami for this football game, have won and covered nine of their last 12 bowl games. And they're also the number two team in the country in red zone defense. I think this will be a heck of a matchup in the Orange Bowl. Move over to Tuesday and hop out to Charlotte, North Carolina in the Belk Bowl, where Virginia Tech takes on Kentucky. In a matchup of two pretty evenly squared football teams, taking a look at Virginia Tech, this will be the final game on the career of legendary defensive coordinator Bud Foster, who's been a head or a defensive coordinator for thirty-three years at. Virginia Tech, i got to figure they might come hard and play this game for him. Kentucky comes in a little bit disappointing here. They're just one in four the last five games in bowl games. And they're also the worst team in of all the bowl teams in completion percentage this year. Ranks 124th in the country. They complete only 50% of their passes this year. Victor, how do you see Virginia Tech and Kentucky shaping up from an over-under perspective?
2: I think you, you, one can tell from what you said that we're leaning under in this game, even at the low line of 46 and a half, Kentucky's not going to kill you in the air. That's for sure. They're a run for its team as it is. And as you le- uh, mentioned, this could be a, a big emotional game for our defensive coordinator Bud Foster. Uh, his defense is ready. As you mentioned in this week's playbook newsletter, they've held three of their last four foes to season low or second low yards. So we're going to definitely lean under in the Belk Bowl between Kentucky and Virginia Tech. And we're going to move on to the Sun Bowl, my new favorite bowl name, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, (laughs) Florida State against Arizona State. And I think that uh, despite the fact that neither team had a great year on offense, we're going to still lean over in this particular game at the number of 54 points Florida State has gone over in each of their last four bowl games Arizona State is a seventy-five percent over team in their last eight bowl games. Mark, what do you got in this ACC Pac-12 matchup?
1: Well, I'm sorry to see Odell Haggins. Uh, this will be his last game as an interim coach for Florida State. Uh, he's been a longtime assistant here, and they've hired obviously Mike Norvell as their new head coach. They're excited about that in Tallahassee for Florida State next football season. Here, the Seminoles come in twelve one and one straight up, and eleven two and one to the spread in bowl games, and coming off a loss. In Arizona State, you got a team that's 0-7 to the money all-time against ACC opponents here. I'm going to look for a good effort from Florida State in this football game. Staying on Tuesday's bowl card in the Liberty Bowl taking place in Memphis, Tennessee, it's the Navy off an outstanding rebound season this year taking on Kansas State. Navy's been terrific in bowl games as a favorite, a perfect 5-0 and to the spread that complements the military team's record in bowl games at 34-14 and to the spread, dating all the way back to 1980. Kansas State had a nice rebound year under Chris Kleiman, their head coach, who is now 29-4 and straight up in his last 33 games overall. This team also number two in the country in red zone offense. I think it's a heck of a matchup here. Victor, how do you see this game shaping up?
2: I'm leaning over, particularly from a statistical perspective. The line is 52-and-a-half the last time we looked. Kansas State 3-and-1 to the over their last four bowl games. Each of Navy's last three bowl games have gone uh, over the total. And as you noted in this week's Playbook newsletter, we got a fantastic red zone offense in the midshipmen about to do battle with a very poor red zone offense. Kansas State ranked number 130, another sneaky overlook as Kansas State takes on the Navy. And, of course, we'll move on then to the Arizona Bowl, Georgia State against Wyoming. And you can't say enough good things about this Wyoming defense uh, manhandling Mountain West Conference opponents this season. And, in fact, they closed the year with unders in each of their last six games. You can say see which way we're leaning in this one. Mark, what do you got?
1: Well, this is an interesting matchup here of two what I would call nondescript football teams. Georgia State, most people probably don't even know what conference it is they reside in. Wyoming comes out of the Mountain West, but not one of the top-tier teams in the conference. Head coach Craig Bowles has done a great job with this program. He's 14-4-1 to the spread against greater than 333 opponents coming in off a loss. On the other flip side of the coin, Sean Elliott, the head coach for Georgia State, is just 2-12 and 12 straight up and 2-10-2 to the spread as a dog of 7 or more points. This will be an interesting football game. I think it can come down to whoever scores last in the contest. Taking a look also on Tuesday in San Antonio, Texas, the Alamo Bowl takes place where we've got a really good matchup here. Of two premier power five conference teams, when Texas takes on Utah, the Utes going here probably a little bit disappointed after not being able to secure that college football playoff fourth seed slot when they lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. But remember this, their head coach, uh, Whittingham Kyle Whittingham for uh, Utah, owned the best record of all coaches in the history of college football in bowl games until he lost last year. I don't think Whittingham is going to go down easy in this football game after the loss last year, and this football team being, what I would say, more mad as hell than disappointed in this game. Texas comes in here. Everybody knows about Tom Herman's record as an underdog, 15-5 and five to the spread in his career. But they have a very, very sloppy defense. They allow 446 yards a game, and I think Utah can take advantage of that. Victor, how do you see the Alamo Bowl shootout shaking up?
2: Uh, I'm a little surprised that the over-under line in this game is so high, given Utah's great defensive chops at 55 points. Texas 0-4 to the under in their last four bowl games. I know that they were a good high-scoring team this season at 35 points per game, yet they did struggle against winning teams. Utah fits the bill. We're leaning under in the Alamo Bowl. And then, Mark, we're going to move on to New Year's Day. Michigan and Alabama uh in what a lot of people are saying that aside from the college football playoffs could very well be one of the most entertaining bowl games this one will kick off New Year's Day at one o'clock in Tampa I'm sorry in Orlando Florida and this one kind of surprised me when I pulled it out of the database but in their last 18 bowl games Michigan has gone a surprising 15 and three that's 15 overs and three unders mark what do you got
1: well, this will be one of the better bowl games, unquestionably, Victor. What I see in Alabama coming in here is a team that is in a neighborhood they don't even know what's all about. They've been in every college football playoff game or every year they played in the college football playoff since its existence. Now they settle on traveling to the camping world stadium for the Citrus Bowl here. They might be obviously disappointed to be just here. This is a football team that's also Take a look at their numbers 0 and 5 straight up and against the spread in bowl games when taking on an opponent coming off a loss. Michigan needs to save face here for Jim Harbaugh after losing poorly once again to Ohio State to end the football season here. They've held seven opponents the season low or second low yards have the Wolverines. Also on New Year's Day in Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium in the Outback Bowl, it's Minnesota taking on Auburn in another top-tier football game. Minnesota, a real upstart team out of the Big Ten Conference here. They've won and covered each of the last three football games in a row. Auburn comes in here noting that SEC teams have dominated the Big Ten, going 11-2 and against the spread in 13 games. Taking a look here at one of the surprise stats from the bowl stat report, in all games against other bowl teams, Auburn, in the last six years, they're 30-25 and 25 straight up and 26-28-1 to the spread. Very mediocre at best. Victor, how do you see the over-under coming in this football game?
2: Well, the Alpine Bowl historically has been pretty high-scoring. 13 out of the last 18 have indeed gone over the total. But with that said, I'm not buying the line move in this game. Opened at 51, up to 53 and a half. Again, a lot of the public on the over in this particular game. I don't think so, though. I love me some Tanner Morgan from Minnesota. Head coach P.J. Fleck. Love the guy as well. But each of Minnesota's last three have gone under the total in the bowls. Auburn's on a one and three over under bowl run as well. We're going to lean under in the outback bowl. But we're going to move on to one of our favorite bowl overs. You know, we go over the total in the Rose Bowl, Mark, almost every single year. Of course, uh, Big 10 against Pac-12. Five out of the last six Rose Bowls have gone over the total. 78.8 points per game. No wonder we like the over. I know last year's game went under the total, but I think this one at 51.5, Wisconsin and Oregon, I'm leaning over.
1: Victor goes over the total in the Rose Bowl and almost near automatic in Rose Bowl football matchups here. I think this is another outstanding matchup here. Wisconsin and Oregon Uh, each out of the Big Ten and the Pac-12. My suspicion here this year, Victor, in the bowl games is this. I think the Pac-12 is going to make a statement in the bowl games. They've taken this red-faced embarrassment for the last two years here. We saw it with Washington against Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl when they got out Mm -hmm. to a great start. And I think Oregon will continue it here against Wisconsin as well. The Ducks are 7-0-1 to the spread as a dog against the Big Ten Conference. you got Wisconsin coming in here at 1-6 to the spread against the Pac-12 when that Pac-12 team is off back-to-back wins. I'm going to play Oregon plus the points in this football game. Take it over to the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day at the New Orleans Dome in New Orleans, Las Vegas. Take a look with Baylor taking on Georgia, the upstart. Baylor Bears, great job once again, as we know by Matt Rule, has resurrected this Baylor football program here, and I also think he'll end up being a head coach in the National Football League sooner than later. Baylor 3-0 straight up and against the spread in their last three bowl games. Georgia comes in here disappointed after having played in the college football playoff last year, but we also note that Georgia, a great stat about them, in this football game is there 13 and 2 to the spread in bowl games against opponents that allow 20 and a half or more points a game. Victor, from an over under perspective, what do you see in the Sugar Bowl?
2: Well, despite the uh, indoor venue, of course, as you mentioned, played at the Mercedes Benz Super Dome down in the Big Easy, each of the last four Sugar Bowls have indeed gone under the total. Now, this over under line is the lowest of all the bowl games, it opened at 42 and a half. It's down to 41. I think there's some sneaky value on the over. Baylor's actually gone 4-1 to the over their last five bowl games. Georgia 3-1 to the over. And again, this is a low line. If Georgia scores 21 and Baylor scores 20, we tie in the game. So I'm looking at the Baylor-Georgia Sugar Bowl slightly over. I think we got a couple of points of value there. But, Mark, we'll move on to the Thursday games, January 2nd, Birmingham Bowl, Boston College versus Cincinnati, ACC versus AAC. And we note that each of Boston College's last four bowl games have gone over the total. Mark, what do you got with Cincinnati favored by about a touchdown in this game?
1: Well, again, I've been harping all season long about Cincinnati, I think, being one of the phonier teams in the country because they keep getting pounded in the yards and keep winning football games. The Smoke and Mirrors winner trophy this year, the Cincinnati Bearcats, they're just 3-11 to the spread in bowl games going back to 2000. They also happen to be the worst team in the country in most penalties this year. That's not a good omen for a football team that can't outyard an opponent. Boston College comes in here, noting ACC Bulldogs are 6-2 and two to the spread against the AAC. On to the Gator Bowl, also Thursday, January 2nd, where Indiana takes on Tennessee and Jacksonville, Florida. The Indiana Hoosiers feeling awfully good about their football program and their season this year. This is the first winning record that they've had in the Big Ten since 1993. However, Indiana just three and ten straight up and five and eight to the number against SEC opponents. Tennessee, an upstart football team, I think is really on the rise right now. They are ten and three straight up and eleven and two to the spread in bowl games against the Big Ten. Tennessee themselves ten and three against the spread against the Big Ten. How do you see the over underscoring taking place in this game, Victor?
2: Well, when I look at the game statistically, and of course I reviewed in our Playbook College Bowl stat report, still, of course available at our playbook.com website. What kind of jumps out at me is the fact that uh, we got pretty two bad defenses against fellow bowlers this season, particularly Indiana, who gave up 41.0 points per game in the Big Ten against fellow bowlers this season, while Tennessee gave up 26.0 points per game. The over underline is a low 52 I think we're going to see an, expected, an unexpected shootout in this particular game. Yes, I know Tennessee closed the season on a four-game underrun in each of their last four games. But with that said, each of their last five bowl games have gone over the total. And I think we'll see some points in the Gator Bowl down there. And then we'll move on to Friday, January 3rd, the Idaho Potato Bowl. Ohio U against Nevada. Five and one to the over in the last six potato bowls. In fact, each of the last three games played here in Boise have gone over the total, and by a whopping huge margin of twenty-one point three points per game.
1: Uh, take a look at this Idaho Bowl matchup here, Victor. These two football teams, Ohio U and Nevada, Ohio U out of the MAC conference. Here, obviously, and MAC bowlers have had difficulty. Those who allow more than twenty-three and a half points again—they're just five and fifteen against the spread against teams coming off of a loss. OU has won the money six of the last seven bowl games. Jay Norvell from Nevada—no, no relation at all to Mike Norvell from Tennessee—comes in here eight and three to the spread off of a straight-up and point spread loss. I think this game is basically a coin flip in this contest here. We'll see if Frank Solich can outhead coach Jay Norvell in the second to last of our quick synopsis overview take on the bowl games in the Armed Forces Bowl on Saturday, January 4th. We don't have an Armed Forces team in here, but we've got Southern Mississippi taking on Tulane in Fort Worth, Texas. Tulane, a little bit disappointing. They started out the season really good. They were a football team that a lot of people were talking about. There was a good buzz about this team. They were 5-1 and one to begin the season, but they ended up just 6-6 six and on six the year. They're 0-3 straight up and against the spread in bowl games when coming up a loss. Southern Mississippi Notes that conference USA teams have had the edge against AAC teams in bowl games, six and one straight up and five and two against the spread. However, they turned the ball over a lot to Southern Mississippi, number one nineteen in the country in turnover margin. Victor, how do you see the scoring going out in this armed forces bowl game?
2: Right. Also surprising that as you mentioned, the military team is not playing. It's been five years since that last occurred. I think there was Houston versus Pitt back in 2015. But if somebody were to ask me, Vic, I want you to go into the database, go back just the last five years only, and tell me what's been the highest scoring bowl game. Here you have it. Surprisingly, the Armed Forces Bowl. Each of the last five have gone over the total, but that's nothing. Average points per game in this bowl in the last five years, a whopping 82.8. That's not a typo. That's not a misprint. So... Tulane, Southern Miss over the total, Armed Forces Bowl. Yeah, count me in. Mark, let's wrap it up with Monday, January 6th, the Lending Tree Bowl, Miami of Ohio against my favorite nickname in all of college football, the Raging Cajuns of uh, UL Lafayette. And what we note that this has also been a high-scoring bowl. Four out of the last five Lending Tree Bowls have gone over the total and by a very impressive average of 74.0 points per game.
1: To wrap it up, the Lending Tree Bowl, we hope our listeners out there aren't lending out there looking to lend after the bowl season is over. Get a copy of that College Bowl stat report, guys, to get all this great information and put it to use for you this bowl season here. Miami of Ohio, out of the MAC Conference, they won the MAC Conference championship, but Mack Conference bowlers 0-10 straight up in one and 1-9 and to the spread as a dog of more than 8 points in bowl games. And Lafayette, With this highly potent offense, they average over 500 yards a game. They've gained 500 or more yards six games this football season here. I think this will be a good way to end up the 2019-2020 College Bowl season. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And, Victor, I know we ran a little bit long in our college Mm -hmm. football uh, a synopsis, if you will. So let's do a real quick take on the National Football League before we go to our first break here. And I'll mention this, that uh, what I learned coming into this weekend in the National Football League is the Dallas Cowboys are in deep trouble here. And I think they could end up being a team with the new head coach next year. Last year, the Dallas Cowboys were 9-2 and in one possession football games. This year, they're 0-5. So what goes up usually comes back and it's bit the Dallas Cowboys this year. And he takes you have on what you learned in the NFL the last week, Victor.
2: No, I didn't learn much, but I'll add to your Dallas Cowboy comment is we're going to, you know, hey, we're coming up on Black Monday here in the NFL. That's that that Monday after the last regular season game of the season in which coaches get their walking papers. So we're going to set the over underline at three and a half. That's how many NFL coaches will lose their employment Uh, sometime at the end of Sunday's games and all day on Black Monday. We're going to set the line at three and a half. Uh, I'm going to throw in three for sure. I don't know who that fourth might be. I'm going to lean over, but I would think that on Monday, we're going to probably see Jason Jason Garrett gone. We're going to probably see Pat Shermer of the Giants gone. We're going to probably see Doug Marone of the Jaguars gone. Those are, for me, my three givens. I don't know about Dan Quinn. I don't know about Freddie Kitchens, but again, Mark will set the line at three and a half.
1: That's our take on what's going on in the National Football League, guys. And just a quick note, that for a complete listing of every weekend playoff game in the National Football League, every team that has any sort of an implication... About the playoffs. We have it all listed online at playbook.com. I put an article together here, or you can read the same playoff scenarios and situations inside this week's edition of the Playbook Football Newsletter. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our college football games of the week, the two college football playoff games. We're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the Spread.
3: It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP experience offers We Pay the Juice Conflict Game Notices Tokens Bonuses SMS Alerts And Genius Game Alerts It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP member. Welcome back, everybody.
1: Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread of this, the final show for the podcast for the 2019 football season here. It's time for our college football game of the week, and we'll make it plural this week as we tear down both of the college football playoff games on tap this week. Let's go, Victor, first to the first college football game playoff bowl game when Oklahoma takes on LSU and what a matchup we've got in these two college football playoff games bar none the best we've seen thus far since the inception of the college football playoffs Oklahoma LSU in the Peach Bowl how do you see the over under shaping up in this game Victor
2: well I played the under at the opening line of 77 it's come down to 75 and a half Uh, yeah 77 that's a lot of points in a bowl game Oklahoma 5 and eight. Over under on the season, and LSU the exact reverse, 8 and 5 over under in the season. Oklahoma games totaled 67.7 points per game, LSU even higher at 69.0. The Sooners 4 and 2 to the over at home, but 1 and 4 to the under in their five road games. And in fact, they closed the season on an 0 and 4 run, four straight unders. Average margin, minus 11.6 points per game. Uh, Even LSU closed the year on a 0-2 over-under run. They went under by 10 points against Georgia, under by 6 points against Texas A&M. The surprising thing for me, Mark, is that when you review the Big 12 conference and you guess at which team has allowed the fewest yards per game this season, You might think, number one, maybe it's Baylor. I mean, fast physical defense, Matt Rule, you'd be wrong. Maybe you'd guess TCU. Gary Patterson is a defensive wizard. He regularly puts the Horn Frogs at the near or at least the top of the league. You'd be incorrect. The answer may surprise you, and that would be Oklahoma. Of course, uh, Alex Grinch, he's their defensive coordinator. He's kind of transformed their liability to an asset with a focus on Basically speed and simplicity and, and takeaways. And there you have it. They went from worst to first in the Big Twelve Conference in terms of defense. So I don't think Oklahoma is getting that credit that they deserve in terms of the peach bowl. Nothing really to grab on here. Two and three over under last five. Based on the point spread, the anticipated final scores, LSU forty-four and a half, OSU thirty-one. I'm leaning under. Again, I played it at the opening line of 77. If you're going to join me, get in soon as it's down to 75 and a half. What do you got for the Peach Bowl, Mark?
1: Victor, this is a great matchup, as you mentioned here. Uh, And In fact, my first thought here is this, and we put this in the Playbook newsletter, is that every one of these top three seeded teams in the college football playoff wanted Oklahoma as their opponent. And all I can say to that is be careful what you wish for. You (laughs) might not you might not like what you get. Oklahoma comes into this football game here, the number four team in the semifinals, uh, coming up with J- Jalen Hurst, their quarterback, who's been outstanding in his career. Thirty-eight and three in his thirty or forty-one starts. He beat LSU two times in the two games he went head to head against them in his days back in with Alabama. You're coming in here with player suspensions in Oklahoma. They've announced those, and the line has gone all the way up to minus 13.5 in this game. It sort of reminds me of that we talked earlier about the Arkansas-Oklahoma scenario on the 1979 Orange Bowl when that line zoomed when Lou Holtz suspended players here. And what Arkansas did is go out and they won the whole game straight up. We do know that Big 12 double-digit dogs. With a greater than 666 win percentage, they're a perfect 6 and 0 against the spread, LSU comes in here 9 and 1 straight up. And uh, I should say their last uh, 10 games against top 10 ranked teams under head coach Ed Ogeron, he's really turned it around. In fact, he's the National College Football Coach of the Year, and a great job that he's done with his program this year. The number one ranked team in red zone offense, LSU, number two in first down offense as well. A little bit of a negative note here, though, college football playoff teams that won 11 or fewer games last year are just three and nine straight up in the playoffs and five and seven against the spread. You've got the Heisman Trophy jinx working against LSU here, too, with Joe Burrow, the quarterback. We note that uh, teams in this role that are favored by more than 10 points with the Heisman Trophy winner are 0 and 5 against the spread. Bottom line to me is Oklahoma has scored 28 or more points, 51 games in a row. They're a very, very dangerous dog. I don't want to tell you that I played them at plus 400 on the money line, but yes, I did. I'm going to play Oklahoma (laughs) plus the points in this football game. Moving over now, Victor, to the other college football playoff game in the Fiesta Bowl matchup. Another great matchup in Glendale, Arizona, between Ohio State and Clemson, the number two and number three ranked teams. How do you see this over-under total shaping up in this contest?
2: You know, every time I see Ohio State and uh, the opponent, opponent is Clemson. I know it's rare. It's only happened, what, three times in about 30 years. But I always go back to being an 18-year-old kid and these two teams playing each other Oh, geez, what bowl game was that? But all I remember was uh, uh, a guy named Woody Hayes, and he <laughs> punched a Clemson player way back when, and uh, that stuck with me for a very, very long time. And, of course, these two played each other two years ago when Clemson won 31-0. They also played in a high-scoring game as well. So Buckeyes 0-3 in the series. Are they playing with revenge? Yes, they are. As far as the over-under line goes, 61.5 is what it opened at. It's at 63 currently. I have not made a move yet. Both teams are pretty much uh, right down the middle in terms of over-under results. Clemson 6-7 and seven over-under on the season. Average points 57.1 in every Clemson game. The Buckeyes 7-6 and six on the season, 61.2 for the Buckeyes. Clemson, 4-3 uh, and three over under at home, but uh, four of their five road games went under the total this season and by an average margin of 10 points per game. But with that said, on the road for the Buckeyes, four out of their five road games went over the total, 66.2. We do know that Ohio State comes in on a three-game bowl under run. In their last 11 bowl games, they've gone 3-8. and eight. Also over-under, that's three overs, that's eight unders. The Fiesta Bowl has been pretty high-scoring as of late. Four to of the last five Fiesta Bowls have gone over the total 61.2 points per game. Seven and two to the over, the last nine Fiesta Bowls. That included last year with 72 points scored in that LSU-Central Florida game. But again, as I just mentioned, uh, two years ago it was Clemson and Ohio State 31-0. We're going to lean under right now. Have not made a decision as of yet, Mark. But anyway, it should be an exciting game. And for the Wise Guy Contest purposes, I will be rooting for Ohio State, and I have my reasons.
1: Victor has his reasons because he's the number one guy. Everybody's trying to play and catch Victor King leading the Wise Guy Contest heading into this penultimate week here. We'll have one more week of the contest here. So check out the Wise Guy Contest report to find out Victor's plays and everybody else's plays at playbook.com. This is a matchup, of victor of two teams that each come in with massive chips on their shoulders here. Clemson feels that they should have been the number one ranked team in the country, number one seed, and why not? Because they were 15-0 and last year, they went undefeated this year, and what did they get for their reward? A number three seed in the playoffs. Ohio State feels like they were taken down when they beat Wisconsin from the number one seed and it was awarded to LSU So say they've got also that big chip on their shoulder. The Buckeyes quarterback Justin Fields comes in off an outstanding, incredible season here with a touchdown-to-interception ratio mark Higher than anybody has ever done in college football. 40 touchdowns, one interception for Justin Fields this football season. Their head coach, Ryan Day, has never lost a game as a head coach with the Ohio State Buckeyes. 16-0 straight up in those football games. Every win by double digits. Average score of 50-14 to 14 in those games. Both of these teams have strong statistical edges here. The biggest for Ohio State, however is their strength of schedule edge. Take a look at the Buckeyes. They faced four opponents this year that in non-conference games, three of them were in their conference championship games. The one non-conference opponent that Clemson faced this year was mighty Wofford. So that Mm -hmm. strength of schedule goes heavily to Ohio state. As far as that scheduling goes, Clemson comes in here having won 28 games in a row they beat Ohio State here at the scene of the crime in the Fiesta Bowl 31-0 to nothing, three years ago. That was in the semifinals, although so the same scenario as we've got here right now. They feel confident about having beat Ohio State, pummeling them that way three years ago. Ohio State feels a little bit like they have a little bit of a payback in order for that particular game. We do note this, that number one ranked teams in the preseason AP poll that managed to go undefeated and make it into the bowl season as Clemson did this year they're just 4 and 9 straight up in bowl games and 3 and 10 against the spread if they're undefeated going into a bowl game the Ohio State Buckeyes 15 and 2 to the spread is a dog going all the way back to 2009 including 7 and 0 oh, straight up and against the spread the last seven times they've been the underdog i'll be on the underdog Ohio State Buckeyes in this football game Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week, and we've got a beauty inside the NFC West division between San Francisco and Seattle when we're back with more here
3: on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football
0: information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. All new PlayBucks tokens are here. Welcome back,
1: everybody. Mark Lawrence with Victor King as we go against the spread on this, the final edition show of the podcast for the 2019 football season. Make a quick note that we will be back for March Madness when the NCAA basketball tournaments tips off in March. So mark that down on your calendars. Victor and I will be back for March Madness come next March. Let's take a look now at our NFL Game of the Week. And in a cast of games this weekend of teams involving various playoff scenarios, this one has the most playoff scenarios of any which game. You can take a look at these two teams here. Seattle can finish in anywhere of four different seeds in the NFL playoffs, depending upon the outcome of this game and other games that preceded. Victor, how do you see the 49ers and the Seahawks taking shape from an over-under perspective in this contest.
2: Very entertaining game to conclude the regular season. Before I get into my over-under numbers, Mark, we do have uh, one of our listeners, our buddy Jeff up in Canada. He was asking me to run a query for double-digit favorites in the last week of the NFL regular season. And the numbers are a little bit on the revealing side. So let me throw those out before we get into the uh, totals portion of this particular game. Uh, here's what I got from the database. Game 16 double-digit division home favorites actually do pretty well in the history of our database, and we're going back to, what, 1981. Double-digit division home favorites in the last game of the season have gone 26-14 and 14 against the spread. Even better since 2009, they've gone 17-8, and eight, ATS, that's 68% in the last 10 years. And that would apply to the Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys this week, who are both laying double digits at home. But with that said, Jeff, you got to want to stay away from the double digit road favorites because there's two double digit favorites that will be on the road this particular week. They have gone four and nine ATS again in the history of our database. And this week we've got uh, Green Bay Lane, a lot of points on the road against Detroit, the same with New Orleans against Cincinnati. So there's your breakdown of double-digit favorites in the last regular season game. Now on to this uh, Giants-Seattle game. The over-under line opened at 47, Mark. It hasn't moved. It's sitting there like a rock, 47. We'll note it's been a pretty high-scoring series each of the last three meetings between the Niners and the Seahawks have gone over the total, 53.0 in average combined points per game, and, in fact, three out of the last four in Seattle have indeed gone over the total as well. On the year, they both come in exactly at 8-7 and seven over under. San Francisco road games, 3-4, four, 46.5 average. Seattle home games, 55.3. They've been pretty high-scoring games at home this particular season. San Francisco, 7-1 and one to the over their last eight conference games. 4-0 to the over, their last four division games. Seattle's numbers similarly overwhelming, 7-1 and one in their last eight underdog roles. And, of course, they are a home dog in this game. They've gone 7-3 and three to the over, their last ten division games. So, yeah, Mark, we're going to lean over, but we're also going to couple this with Chuko's team total of the week. And he's going to be piling on because if you remember last week, Tuco played the Arizona Cardinals to go over their team total against Seattle and this week our boy Tuco is going to see if he can improve on his 12 and four record and he's playing the San Francisco 49ers over 25 points again once again we're piling on a Seattle Seahawks opponent with this game of course a lot on the nine uh, a lot on the line we already know that Seattle has got some uh, horrific defensive numbers at home. They're one of only six NFL teams that have allowed 29 or more points per game at home this season. And if you saw that game against the Cardinals last week, they made the five and nine Cardinals look like a playoff team, Uh allowing over 400 yards to the NFL's 23rd ranked uh, offense. I would have to think that the sky's the limit this week against the Niners team that is A, number six in overall offense this year, B, averaging more than 30 points per game for the entire season. And C, averaging 33 points per game in the second half of the season. The clincher. In the last three seasons, NFC West Division road teams in the final week of the regular season have averaged 30.8 points per game. That applies to the Niners. Tuco's playing the Niners over 25 points and will lean over in the game. What do you got as far as the side play, Mark?
1: Victor's leaning over the total, but he's piling on Tuco in this football game here. Tuco's had this great run this football season. Tuco likes the overscoring in the contest in the game as well from the San Francisco perspective side of the football contest here. As far as the game goes, Victor here, this is one heck of a football game because so much will be on the table for all the marbles in this contest to win the NFC West. Taking a look at the way this game shapes up, Mike Shanahan, the head coach for San Francisco, is only 1-6 to the spread in his career against opponents that come in off a straight-up favorite loss. Shanahan is also just 6-11 straight up, 6-10-1 to the number against division games, division opponents, with only one cover to the spread in those games as a favorite. The Midweek Alert, our famous statistical newsletter, which we rely so heavily on throughout the course of the football season, notes that in the second half of the season, the San Francisco 49ers' overall team stats have declined 53 net yards per game on the season here. This was an offensive rushing juggernaut to begin the season here. They ran into some injuries in the backfield on the offensive line and had to make adjustments. And the defense has also taken some hits Bottom line here is they've gone backwards, 53 net yards per game statistically have the San Francisco 49ers. They're also just 1-6 to the spread in final road games of the season when taking on opponents that come in off a straight-up favorite loss. As I mentioned here, for Seattle, any one of four possible playoff seeds they can finish one, two, three, or 5 going into the start of the games on Sunday here, they come down obviously beat up in the running back position here. They've signed two running backs, one of which Marshawn Lynch, they're back in beast mode this Sunday here, uh, will be Seattle in this contest here. But I think this game is going to be all dictated by Russell Wilson, the quarterback. Pete Carroll, the head coach of this football program here, is 10-1 straight up, 9-1-1 and against the spread in head-to-head games with Seattle against San Francisco. He's also home dogs in their final game of the season not Pete Carroll but all home dogs in their final game of the season that make the NFL playoffs are 25 and 12 against the spread. The final wrap to the game to me comes on Pete Carroll who is 15 and 5 to the spread as a home dog in his career with Seattle. He's also 12 and 0 straight up, 10-1 and 1 to the spread at home when he lost straight up as a favorite the previous game. I'll take the points with Seattle in this football game. I'm going to parallel them to Philadelphia last week a team beat up a home underdog with their playoff hopes on the line in this particular role. Put me down for Seattle plus the points in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. It's time once again for our f- one of our favorite segments on the show, our final one for the 2019 football season. As we get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco joining us in Las Vegas from the TheLogicalApproach.com, Andy. Happy holidays to you and yours, and I ask you this question. Are you ready for the final week of the 2019 NFL football season?
4: I think I'm going to be more ready than a few of the teams that uh, may not show up this week. You take a look at a number of the point spreads, double digits for teams that may have very little to play for. But uh, uh, I'm ready for the start of the playoffs. Week 17 is always, I think it's more challenging than week one. Week one, everybody's working with the same expectations. Week 17, you never really know what you're going to get. But the beauty of Week 17 is that it's only one week until the start of the wild card round. And once you get into into the playoffs, I'm not going to say it's easier to handicap, but one of the handicapping factors that you don't have to deal with is the motivation because everybody will be motivated. And theoretically, at least, you're going to get each team's best performance.
1: It's that NFL proverbial box of chocolates week 17 in the national football league coming up this week. We're visiting with Andy Isco from the logical in Las Vegas. And I encourage all our listeners to download his copy of this week's logical approach football newsletter in time for the college football remaining bowl games and the NFL games on hand this week. And Andy, it's also time for the final week of the major contests in Las Vegas, Let's kick it off as we always do on the show with a review of how we stand heading into the first of our major contests the Super Book Classic.
4: Okay, Mark, it's a little disappointing, I guess, that we can't have a, a show next week, only because it's going to keep everybody in suspense as to how these contests end up. And beginning with the Super Contest, uh, uh, Tuco, who had been the leader all year, is actually now down in third place. A contestant by the name of It Ain't Breezy leads the Super Contest Classic with a record of 55-23 and two, That works out to a total of 56 out of a possible 80 points, and that's exactly at 70%. There's one contestant, uh, point and a half back, so it ain't breezy in a very good position. If he goes 4-1 and one this week, uh, he's going to uh, wrap up the contest. Nobody will be able to uh, catch him at three and a half. The guy behind him, it looks like the name is Crisp R, uh, will be able to catch him with a 5 and oh. He's got 54 and, a half, and as I mentioned before, Tuco, a point further back in third. All in all, there are 83 contestants at 48.5 points or higher. That works out to 60.6%. And I mention this because that means all 83 of those currently right now are in position to collect full shares. The contest pays the top 100 and ties. Behind the 83 are another 25 contestants at 48 points. That's exactly 60%, and they would... Split the final 17 spots 25 ways, so they'd get less than a full share. But right now, 108 of the 3,375 contestants are in position to cash in the Super Contest. And as I just noted, that means if someone's hitting 60% or better right now in this contest, they are in position to cash. Looking at the performance of the consensus, the top five selections last week, overall, uh, those selections went 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. The two favorite teams that ended up being part of the consensus were the Chiefs, which was a point-spread winner, and the Houston Texans on Saturday, which was a point-spread push in its game at Tampa Bay. Three favorites made the top five. Those favorites, uh, sorry, three underdogs, made the top five and those three went one and two the winner was Monday night with the Packers ended up being the number fourth selection overall and the two teams that came up short were the number one selection and this was agonizing the Buffalo Bills plus six and a half but for a two point conversion would have uh, rewarded a lot of people with winners 909 were on the Buffalo Bills that was a loser the other underdog in the consensus that was a loser the Tennessee Titans against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday for the year 38-34 and 3. As far as the uh, consensus goes, for the contest overall favorites, underdogs picks, etc., 110 winners, 121 losers, seven games uh, pushed, and there were two games in which the selections were evenly divided amongst the two con- the uh, two teams in the game. Looking at the Super Contest uh, Gold, that's the $5,000 entry fee winner take all, we have one leader at 4930 and one that translates into 49 and a half out of a possible 80 points. To date, and that's 61.9 percent winners, there are 23 contestants right now, within five points of first place in the winner-take-all. The winner, the leader right now, uh, excuse me, within the points of the uh, of the leader, and right now the leader does have a uh, two-point advantage. 49 and a half for the leader, 47 and a half for the two contestants who trail and looking up to make to looking to make up those two games in week 17. For the consensus, two and three on the week. Uh, The number one selection in the consensus this past week for the Super Contest Gold uh, was the the uh, Tennessee Titans, uh, they did not cover in their game against uh, New Orleans. Uh, the Buffalo Bills also failed as one of the consensus plays. Uh, the two teams uh, that were underdogs that did cover, the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers, the lone favorite to make the consensus amongst the uh, 100 and uh, I think it's 117 contestants, the uh, L.A. Chargers, and they came up short in their game. For the year, 41 up, 40 down, and three pushes. That works out to 84 out of a possible 80 uh, consensus plays. The reason for that, with the fewer number of contestants in the Super Contest Gold, there were a number of weeks where we had multiple ties for that fifth consensus selection, and those are all included in uh, the tally. In the uh, circuit contest for the consensus plays this week of the teams that were favored in their contest that made the consensus, the New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs were winners. The Dallas Cowboys came up as losers. The two underdogs split out as part of the top five plays. The Buffalo Bills were the losing team in the consensus as an underdog. The Green Bay Packers were a winner. That brought to a 3-2 and record for the week for the season. 39 up, 36 down, and four pushes. There was one game in which there was was A tie for the fifth place consensus, and one of those games was in a game that was an even split, so there was no right or wrong in that contest. For the year overall, 119 winners, 112 uh, that did not win, that pushed, uh, excuse me, that that failed to covering against the spread, and seven that ended up in uh, pushes. As far as the standings goes, there is one leader with a 55 and a half point total out of 80 possible points. that 69.4%. There are total total uh, of 10 contestants uh, at uh, 64.4% or better those are the uh, uh, top 10 paying places uh, the uh, uh, the circuit does not show on the main page beyond the uh, top 10 uh, in cashing position for the fourth quarter which is the fourth of the quarterly prizes that pays $143,750 to the winner of course the first four quarters were four weeks the fifth quarter is a fifth week quarter weeks 13 through, eight, uh, through 17 and through the first four weeks, there's one leader at 16, 3, and 1. There are eight, who, and that which is 16.5 out of a possible 20 points. There are eight contestants at either 16 and 4 or 15, 3, and 2, which would be a total of uh, 16 points, and five contestants at 15, 4, and 1. So that will be decided in this final week as well. Uh, as far as the contests go for the uh, Golden Nugget, uh, there is one leader at a record of seven. 70 39 and 3 that's a possible that's 71 and a half of a possible 112 points that works out to 63.8% winners the contest pays uh, the top 10 uh, 11 through 20 get their entry feedback so 20 uh, contestants plus possible few ties, uh, will end up uh, cashing something in the contest. Again, one through ten, you make money. Uh, Twenty-three contestants overall are in position to uh, cash. Uh, there are some ties for that uh, 20th place. 57.6% uh, or better is what it takes to uh, cash this year in the Golden Nugget Contest.
1: A review of what's going on in the major contests in Las Vegas from our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, as we always do this time of the segment, we usually review advance lines, but there are no advance lines because it's NFL football playoffs next week. But I wonder if there aren't any line adjustments this week from what we saw last week when they surprisingly sent lines out from the Westgate on this week 17 football
4: card. Yes, Mark. I, too, am uh, disappointed that there are no advanced lines for next week because if we had them, we'd know the matchups. We'd know what to do in Week (laughs) 17, but of course uh, that's not the case. Uh, However, there were some interesting adjustments to these uh, lines that were posted in advance. For example, the Tennessee at Houston game, which opened last week with uh, uh, Houston as a one-point favorite. Well, with the results of this past weekend, Tennessee still alive and with an opportunity uh, to make the playoffs simply with a win. Houston uh, not needing to win. They are likely going to be seeded fourth. They could possibly move up into third, but that means they're going to be playing a wild card game. As a result, the Tennessee Titans opened up as four point, four and a half point road favorites on Sunday afternoon after the results of Sunday's day games were in. They were bet up to six and a half, but now it's come back down. Surprisingly so, a big move, three points down to a three and a half point road favorite at, uh, at Houston. Chicago at Minnesota, another game that involved a significant adjustment of of course, uh, Chicago had already been eliminated from the playoffs before they uh, pl- took the field this weekend. Last week, the advance line had Minnesota a seven-point home favorite. The thought being they had a good chance to beat Green Bay Monday night and would be playing this game as Green Bay was playing uh, its game this week as well for a chance to win the NFC North title. Uh, however, of course, Green Bay clinched it with its upset of Minnesota, meaning that Minnesota locked into the number five playoff spot as a result, although this game did go back up Sunday afternoon uh, before the Sunday night game uh, was played with Chicago and was Minnesota a seven-point favorite bet up to seven and a half. The game came down on Monday prior to the Monday night game, and after Minnesota lost to Green Bay, the game was reopened Tuesday morning with Minnesota just a one-point favorite. That's the effect of Minnesota having been eliminated from contending for the uh, the NFC North title, and yet still in the playoffs, locked into the number five uh, seed. Indianapolis at Jacksonville is an interesting one to discuss, simply because the game means nothing for those two teams. Jacksonville was a a one-and-a-half point home favorite prior to last week's action. Now, as a result of what happened on Sunday, and maybe this possibly explains the move, but I'm not quite sure because it doesn't make any sense, there is a scenario involving the determination of a playoff team that involves the Indianapolis Colts, but it does not involve Indianapolis making the playoffs. They've been eliminated. What happens is the Oakland Raiders still have an opportunity to make the playoffs if the following happens. If Tennessee loses to Houston, if Pittsburgh loses to Baltimore, And if Indianapolis defeats Jacksonville... Oakland, with a win at Denver, gets in the playoffs. So perhaps people may have been thinking, or the adjustment may have been thinking that Indianapolis still had a shot. Indianapolis is only applicable as it applies to Oakland, because they would go down to the strength of victory. And of course, earlier this year, Oakland won at Indianapolis. So that one's just a little bit of a head-scratcher as to why there was such a significant adjustment for a game that means nothing between these two teams. Uh, Other uh, items of note, another team that uh, uh, does not control its own but does have an opportunity. The Dallas Cowboys, with their loss to Philadelphia last week, needs to win, needs Philadelphia to lose against the Giants. Dallas had been a 7.5-point home favorite against Washington last week when the Lions came out Sunday after the results of both uh, of, the, of that Dallas-Philadelphia game was known. Dallas opened an 11.5-point favorite, bet down slightly, now back up to an 11-point favorite. New Orleans at Carolina. New Orleans can still improve its seeding as a result. The line 11 last week opened with New Orleans now a 13-point uh, road favorite. Surprisingly, not much of an adjustment at all in that Philadelphia at Giants game. Last week, Philadelphia was a five-point road favorite. Of course, they now control their own destiny. The Giants long since out of the playoff picture. They could play spoiler against their foe that they've had difficulty against over the last several seasons. The line open. Philadelphia, five-and-a-half-point road favorites, so only about a half-point move. They were a bit down to four-and-a-half, perhaps uh, the uh, status of so many injured players, including Zach Ertz, the great tight end for Philadelphia, has caused some sentiment to be shown for the New York Giants. Pittsburgh at Baltimore, one more worth of talking about. Baltimore, a three-point home favorite last week, even though it was pretty much expected that Baltimore, with a win at Cleveland, was going to rest Lamar Jackson and several other starters. Yet when the line came out Sunday after lost to the Jets. Uh, Baltimore down to a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Made a little bit of sense, and yet Pittsburgh has taken all the monies to the point where they are now two-point road favorites at Baltimore, even though they will need a win here and a Tennessee loss to Houston to claim that final wild-card spot. Again, not much else in the, in the uh, significant games. Perhaps mentioning just this last one, Well, San Francisco at Seattle, I guess, is a little bit of a surprise to a certain extent. That game was a pick 'em. This game, of course, now for the uh, NFC West title and possibly the number one seed uh, should the uh, uh, 49ers get the uh, uh, the win. They are a three-point road favorite at Seattle. Of course, Seattle dealing with two more running back uh, losses, re-signing Marsha- Marshawn Lynch earlier this week to perhaps fill that void. And I mentioned Oakland at Denver. Denver, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite last, uh, excuse me, four-and-a-half-point home favorite last week. Uh, they were reinstalled as a four-point favorite and then with the uh, disclosure of the Everybody figuring out that Oakland's still had a shot. Money has come in on Oakland, but only moving it down to a three-and-a-half-point home favorite for Denver.
1: Andy Esko with a review of the advanced line adjustments from last week to this week that have happened in Las Vegas from the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas. And Andy, as we always do on the show this week, before we say a bit of for the 2019 football season and welcome you back in March for our March Madness uh, podcast shows, I wanna ask you your complimentary play on the NFL card this week. I know our listeners like the Atlanta Falcons last week. What are you looking at this week?
4: Well, this week I'm going to take a look at a game between a pair of teams that I've actually been on several times this year, on and against. I think I've had more success uh, than than lack of success with them, and it's the game between Cincinnati and uh, Cleveland in Week 17. You never know which team is going to come to play, but you'd have to think that in more more cases than not, the home team will be a little bit more interested to send its fans out a winner if possible. I think we saw Cleveland put in a good effort at home last week against uh, the the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who you know the best team in football right now, certainly from start to finish, they've been the most consistent. Uh, uh, they've won 11 straight games since starting 2-2, two and two. Uh, but Cleveland just couldn't hang with them, but I think they put a lot of effort into that one before their home fans, so it's been a very disappointing season. I can't see them really doing much more than going through the motions. Uh, Cincinnati put in one of the more amazing efforts last week now 35-12 at Miami in the fourth quarter they score three times including two two two-point conversions to force overtime what that shows me is is what we've seen a lot out of the Cincinnati team all year they haven't won but one game but they've come back in a number of games just to fall short or ultimately lose in overtime Uh, we saw it earlier in the year when they uh, uh, lost uh, to to Arizona Uh, they uh, couldn't uh, sustain the comeback. Uh, Dalton. Uh maybe playing his last game with Cincinnati and I think the fans will show his appreciation. We forget that this was a team that uh, for many years had been a a bottom feeder and then under Marvin Lewis they made the playoffs what, five, six years in a row? Never won a playoff game but a lot of it had to do with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I think we get a good effort out of the Cincinnati Bengals who fundamentally have also been able to run the football better over the second half of the season. If they employed that a little bit more in the first half perhaps they wouldn't have been locked into the number one draft choice which they cannot give up even with a win in this game. So I'll look at the Cincinnati Bengals, especially now that we're seeing a lot of plus threes out there at home against Cleveland.
1: Andy Esko on the Cincinnati Bengals in their season ender against their in-state rival Cleveland Browns for his complimentary play on this, the final show of Mark Lawrence against the spread for the 2019 football season. Andy, a great job on the show today and all season long. As always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck. A happy new year in the days ahead. And we'll look forward to circling back with you for March Madness come March for the NCAA Tournament.
4: Mark, thank you so much. I want to express my, pl- my pleasure, my thanks to both you, Victor, uh, Jeff, and the uh, folks uh, doing the recording of the podcast, and all the listeners who have been uh, so positive with their feedback this year. Uh, March Madness can't get here soon enough, but let's enjoy the end of the college and pro football seasons, the intensity of college basketball conference play. And I'll look back to hooking up with you as we uh, uh, preview uh, March Madness in just uh, a few short months.
1: As always, my good friend, be well. I'll catch up with you in March. That was Andy Esco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll put the final reps and the final show with our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays. We'll back with more here on Mark
0: Lawrence Against the Spread. Need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been
3: waiting for from the hot South Florida sun. It's Mark Lawrence with his aw- 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 awesome angle of the week.
1: Alrighty, guys, let's get to it. Our final awesome angle of the week for the 2019 football season, and it comes directly from this week's Playbook Football Newsletter, and it's a beauty. We call it Don't Call Me a Loser. And the way it works is this. We play on any defending NFL Super Bowl loser in their final game of the season if they're coming off a point spread loss. Teams who lost Super Bowl last year, don't want to close out the season on a downer the following year in this particular role, when they're coming off a loss in their final game, they are 18 and two against the spread. That's a 90% awesome angle situation for the LA Rams this week when they take on Arizona. And with that, let's hand it over to Victor King from King Creole sports for his complimentary plate on the final show for the football season this year. And Victor, if you would let our listeners know what you've got on tap this week at King Grill Sports.
2: Sure, we can certainly do it already up at the website, playbook.com. We've got our bowl game of the year. It's a game in which we're going over the total, and it's going to be in one of the five games played this coming Friday. So that's our five-star bowl over of the year. It's available at playbook.com. And, of course, our NFL selections will be up on the website by Friday as well. For our free play this week, we're going under the total in the Chargers and the Chiefs game. It opened at 48. It's already down to 45. There's been a lot of uh, movement on the under in this particular game. Uh, I'm not surprised here. A lot of people are not aware of how dominant Kansas City home unders have done in the past decade. Best home under team in the entire NFL They've gone 13, 35, and 3 as home favorites. That's 13 overs, 35 unders. Uh, We can whittle that down to 8 and 31 when the over-under line is in the range of 40 to 52 points. And finally, we can even improve better and go 3 and 20 for Kansas City home favorites in that line range in Game 5 or greater and, of course, we'll also be on the Chargers in a favorable under situation. 6-20 and 20 for the Chargers versus all winning opponents in the last six years when the over-under line is 51 or less points. Basically, uh, one of the untold stories of the NFL this season has been the improvement of the Kansas City defense. They looked great on Sunday night against the Bears. Holding Chicago to what, three points? Only 234 offensive yards. This has gone one and nine over under last three years. NFL teams off a road win in which they scored 20 or more and they allowed three or less points. That applies to the Chiefs. Of course, LA was a sizable home favorite against division rival Oakland last week. They lost outright by a full TD, and this has gone two and 12 over under since 06. Perfect 0-4 to the under in the last three years. NFL road dogs of greater than two points off a straight-up division loss of six or more in a game in which they were favored by six or more. That applies to the L.A. uh, Chargers in this particular game. The number's down to 45. we still got a few points of value, so we're going under the total when the Chiefs host the Chargers on uh, Sunday afternoon. Don't forget, Tuco's team total on the Niners over 25 points. And, of course, we've got our bowl game of the year already up at the playbook.com website. Uh, Best of luck to you this weekend, too, Mark.
1: Get down on it now. Victor's bowl game of the year at playbook.com. He goes under the total in the Kansas City Chargers football game. Kansas City Chiefs and Chargers football game for his final complimentary play on the show this season. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that our friends at mybookie.ag, the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse, are offering our listeners a bonus when they log on at mybookie.ag and use the promo code playbook. Only at mybookie.ag do you bet the NFL, you win, you get paid. You bet college football, you win and you get paid. Also, you've got the promo code ENTER, a playbook when you log on to the website, or give them a call, 1-844-866-BETS. That's one 866 2387 And finally, I want to let our listeners know out there that my five-star college football bowl game of the month will kick off this Saturday. You can get it part of a $99 football weekend of winners, including every one of my NFL, every college bowl release I make, starting this Friday through next Tuesday with the five-star bowl game of the month for just $99 complete. Log on to the website at playbook.com or call me toll-free next to get on board at 1-800-321-7777. And with that, our final complimentary play on the football card this weekend in the National Football League. I'm going to stay in my home state of Ohio and fade my hometown Cleveland Browns as we play the Cincinnati Bengals, plus the points against the Brownies in this football game. Cleveland comes in here, a deeply disappointed football team. They are now uh, the only team in the NFC North that failed to win a division title. Uh, If you go back the previous 10 years, the Browns are still, or I should say since they realigned in 1992, the Browns are still looking for that first division title. Cincinnati comes in here having already secured the number one pick in the National Football League draft, They'll likely take Joe Burrow from LSU. They'll be playing balls to the wall. Well, Cincinnati, they've got nothing to lose by going out and winning this football game. They dominated the Browns in Cleveland in the dog pound when they lost there. They outyarded them 451 to 333 yards in the contest. And the Cleveland Browns are leaking oil. They've been outyarded in each of the last four football games in a row. I have no clue whatsoever why they are favored on the road in a football game at this stage of the football season. I'll play the Cincinnati Bengals plus the points for my complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for the 2019 football season. Remember, we'll return here in March for March Madness. I want to thank our good friend, Victor King from King Creel Sports, our co-host, our good buddy, Andy Isco, joining us from Las Vegas from thelogicalapproach.com. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, Happy New Year, everybody, to you. Once again, Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.